You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 22, covering Obsession, Wolf in the Fold, and The Trouble with Tribbles, with special guest Gav Brown. Hey, remember that guy, uh, Ambassador Gav? We, uh, we brought him along with us this week. What do you think of that? Our space machine. How you doing there, pig man? Nanu, nanu. <laughs> uh, so this week, uh, our, our friend Irish Gav Brown is back with us. Thank you for, uh, for joining us once again. Mm-hmm. No um, problem. I, with an episode that you specifically requested, and when Matt and I watched it, we couldn't really... We didn't really understand why at first. And then when we found the... Uh, the untapped vein of hilarity there. We just, uh, we assumed that was why, and you're like, what? No. Who? <laughs> now I really don't know why you wanted to do Wolf in the Fold, but uh, I suppose we'll find out when we get there. Yes. See, I don't want to review good episodes or comedy episodes. I'm going to review the episodes in between that I can make fun of. That's... Oh, man, you missed out with the Apple. Yeah, you should have been here for the Apple. <laughs> well, if you had said that earlier. <laughs> All right. Uh, unfortunately, I... Being the good friend that I am, I let Matt have uh, the trouble with Tribbles this week. But, uh, yeah. That does mean that I ended up with Obsession. <laughs> oh. Let's uh, let's get on with that, I suppose. All right. Uh, this is that episode where a guy goes a bit crazy chasing down a deadly adversary that defeated him before, like in Moby Dick. No, not the Doomsday Machine. No, not the Wrath of Khan. No, it's not First Contact either. This is the other time they did a Moby Dick story. And this one involves Kirk being Ahab. Minus the badass cannon in his chest. Apparently, when Kirk was a young lieutenant on the USS Farragut, guess in this continuity he didn't jump instantly from cadet to captain. Apparently, he faced down some mysterious fog creature that killed his captain by draining his red blood cells. But hey, the thing's not all bad. It kind of smells like honey. So, you know, it evens out. Anyway, Kirk and possibly the largest pool of disposable red shirts we've ever seen to date face the creature, which gorges on everyone but Kirk, then chases the Enterprise into space. Kirk becomes, wait for it, obsessed with destroying the creature and urges young Ensign Garavik, son of the late Captain Garavik of the Farragut, <laughs> to join him in his righteous vengeance quest. Side note, Garavik of the Farragut is not tremendously easy to say. <laughs> Kirk grows ever more paranoid, despite the typically sensible intervention of Spock and Bones, and after a ridiculous sequence where the fog creature gets into the Enterprise via the air ducts, no seriously, <laughs> finally faces the thing down on the planet where they originally met, because that's how these things work. Kirk rips apart the atmosphere of this presumably uninhabited world and kills the creature, satisfying his bloodlust. Honey lust. Whatever. The important thing is he never once tried to communicate with it. <laughs> and that's obsession. I I love that what's this uh Gar- young Garavik uh-huh. accidentally switches on the vent in his quarters and uh-huh. that allows that allows the, the, the gas creature to get in because apparently the vent in the quarters <laughs> leads directly into space. <laughs> yes. No, no, no. Let's let's really break down what happened in that scene, though. He, um, what was it? He had a, a some food that uh, Nurse Chapel had brought him. Like, it, yeah, because like apparently in, she's a waitress. Well, sure. But like you would get in a hotel room service. It's got like that, uh, the, the silver dome over it, like the cover. Uh, and he throws that at the wall and it conveniently just bangs right into this switch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that opens the vent that, uh, as you say, opens into space. Yes, that's not that's not the best health and safety, is it, to have a vent <laughs> that really lets not. all the air out on, on, into into space? They weren't really Before clear this, on the was concept just... of airlocks at this point, I don't think. Before no. this, he was just using it to or pull air. garbage down. <laughs> just dump his trash out into space. 
Keep your garbage out of our dimension. Listen, <laughs> this was the 60s. Nobody cared about that yet. There was no space Indian with a single tear telling them to stop. <laughs> Overall, this was not a very good episode. I like the idea of uh, of the of the vengeance thing, of the revenge thing. I mean, they've done it a lot, like I pointed out. Um, I think it fits Kirk's character to be like that, but I don't mm -hmm. think Shatner really has the, the acting chops to pull off the crazed for vengeance thing. No, he seemed very like Kirk for most of it. He I, was more just a little over the top than usual, I thought. Like a little more Shatnery, a little more abrupt, you know. Mm. We've got to kill it. You know, that, that like I, I imagine a lot of stand up comics that have their, their hacky Shatner impressions must be getting it from this episode because he's it. a little more Shatner. Killed my entire crew. <laughs> it's like, really? Because you threw like 18 red shirts at it today. <laughs> I'm responsible oh. for. 350, 340, oh, wait, hang 330. On. They got like the Battlestar Galactica board in his office. <laughs> okay, hang on. Now yes. Henderson died. We need we need somebody on this on this chalkboard. Who, who else don't I like? <laughs> it's basically gonna be it's gonna be down to uh Spock Bones and Kirk at the end. Yep. Yeah, it's fine. I'm responsible for two lives and myself. I, I can I can <laughs> Scotty's still there, but he's quietly weeping. <laughs> Just like every episode. <laughs> yep. There's one point where they're trying to figure out how the how the creature got into the ship. And Chekhov just totally throws Scotty under the bus. Oh god. They're like, what what's going on? Well, Mr. Scott was working in the air winds. You you got damn Russian rat, come on. And he spins on him like oh come Lud, what why would you do that to me? Yeah, do and even shoots him a look. It's like, oh maybe you've seen half of the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, poor Scotty. Um, I, I just, I, I mean, it was great to see Spock and Bones put aside their mutual antagonism like they do. And, you know, they mm. come together to, to tell Kirk that he's gone fucking nuts and knock it off. Yep. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it just, there wasn't a lot here, unfortunately. No. It, it was, the, 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 there was the vaccine that they had to get to another planet oh, or right, they had to... Yeah. Which seemed the least perishable vaccine ever. It can wait. We're going to chase this thing around traditions, blah, 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 blah. We'll get there eventually. Yeah. We, we spent three months on this. Oh, it's oh, it's still fine. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get to it now and then. Matt and I were talking about this when we were watching the episode. The, the, the peril of, oh, my God, the ship needs to be somewhere else immediately. Like, it makes sense. Space is big and it's a fast ship. But it seems like they use that all the time when they can't think of a good looming danger. It's like, uh, this serum has to be somewhere or this diplomat has to be somewhere. That's always their fallback, you know, yeah. Oh my God, there's, there's a timely peril that we need to take care of right now. This, this ambassador diplomat needs to deliver a vaccine to Talos 12 with a, before a war breaks out that could potentially resources, uh, mm -hmm. Klingon serum. <laughs> yeah. Klingons. Klingons. Well, Nancy. <laughs> nice. Um, see, see, what that episode really needed was a Commodore. <laughs> <laughs> just to start yelling at Kirk. Although, I don't yeah. know, you know, last week we had uh, we had the first Commodore who was just kind of, uh, kind of uh, wishy-washy and not very, you know, like not making a, an insistent uh, drive to, to get out of there. So, you know, they could have brought him along. That would have been all mm -hmm. right. He was obviously someone's nephew. <laughs> uh, Captain Kirk, I, I don't want to be a bother or anything. <laughs> Get the hell off my bridge, then. We, so we anyway. really could be delivering uh, uh, the... No! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll just... With Chekhov, I... Oh, oh. And if and if Kirk calls you mister, then you're really in trouble. Get off my bridge, mister. Oh, okay. Oh. Dad's mad at me again. 
Kirk, uh, Kirk's big thing was back when he met this this creature originally, he, he berates himself for hesitating. And it's like, you didn't even try to talk to it. Just shoot first nope. and ask questions later, or, you know, not at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, you, you hesitated. Maybe maybe that was your initial impulse to try to communicate somehow? No, no. No, it not it. It's awful. <laughs> No, we just, they just wanted to kill the crystalline entity. No, I mean the gas creature. <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, I mean Admiral Kirk. No, I mean. Wait. <laughs> the Borg. I mean the, the whale. That's it, the whale. Yes, he wanted to, he wanted to kill the whale. I think the, I think the, the, the stupidest thing though was this thing in the, in the original, uh, uh, edit and in the, um, in the restored version is clearly fog. It's clearly yep. like sort of insubstantial, like a gaseous thing. And everyone keeps wanting to shoot at it or punch it. Or it, It's fog. I I love when it starts <laughs> leaking into what's-his-face's uh, quarters. Oh, yeah, into Garavik's Spock quarters. runs up and tries to cover it with his hands. <laughs> Spock's, like, <laughs> trying to shove it, it back into get, the vent. Get back! No! It's fog! And You're just, not allowed in here, fog! <laughs> we just kept yelling that, like, Spock, no, you're a scientist. You know what the, the properties of gas are? Come on. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was just ridiculous. And and Kirk, shoot it! Just keep shooting at it. Like, go for the eyes. What? <laughs> so you're gonna have a laser passing through fog. It's gonna be like uh, laser Pink Floyd down at the planetarium. <laughs> See, instead of phasers, they should have had vacuum cleaners. Ooh, nice. That would have taken yes. care of it. And then you could just eject the uh, eject the bag out into space, where it'll be no trouble at all. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. Don't mean to step on your. Uh... When they're trying to get into what's his face's quarters, they've got like this hair dryer thing oh, yeah. that you said looked like one of those one of those things that cops use to uh, to yeah, check. I, I, I'm, I, Gav, you don't drive, do you? Like you, you no use, uh, public transit. And Matt's the same way, so you guys probably wouldn't know this, but the the radar guns that uh, cops use on uh, highways here, um, it looked exactly like this this thing that they had for what were they detecting or, or shooting at it. I, I I assumed it was a dustbuster at first. <laughs> I know dustbuster anymore. No, it, uh, it it looked like they were like, uh, okay, it's going forty miles an hour, forty five, fifty. Like it, they're trying to clock its speed. That that's not going to help. Well, on top of everything else, it's way over the speed limit, and it parked in a handicap zone. Well, we'll be uh, we'll be putting a ticket on it. It's fog. <laughs> Is that why Kurt was so obsessed? Because he was parking in a handicap zone. Yeah, that's that's Pike's spot. <laughs> yeah, Kirk has a has a real affection for Pike, and he doesn't uh, <laughs> he doesn't like anybody fucking with Pike. So that that, that makes sense. Um, Matt and I pointed. out, I don't know if you uh, if you noticed this, Gav. Were Kirk's quarters particularly purple in this episode, or was it just <laughs> us? <laughs> like, I don't, did he move to different quarters? Did they light it differently? Did we just not notice it before? They're suddenly I think just he, bright purple. I think I think he just woke up that day and thought, you know, I feel purple. <laughs> and then he put purple lights on, and that, and that pleased him. I see. I like to think he calls a team down to paint while he's on the bridge, so when he comes back, <laughs> the room is purple. Ah. It's not purple enough. <laughs> you need to purple it up by about thirty percent. <laughs> That's going into ultraviolet. I don't care. Just do it, Mister. Find oh, a way. He called me. Mister. I can't paint it no more, sir. <laughs> <laughs> We have to purple up another another room. You have to do it. Uh, and then and then Garavik's quarters ended up being roughly the same. It, it really looked like after Kirk left, Garavik came into his room, brought his uh, his couple of like his vase and like yeah, his he had a vase collection. Yeah, 
like his uh, his oily rag collection and just put it up on the on the shelf and slept in Kirk's bed. It looked like exactly the same set. They didn't even try. He had this it, vase. It was like single single white captain. He just <laughs> wanted he just wanted to be Captain Kirk. Oh, so that's what obsession really speaks about. So. <laughs> yes, <laughs> obsession refers to uh, to Garavik's obsession with Kirk. He's got this giant painting of him in his quarters that he just sort of runs his hand down. Soon, <laughs> soon. And of course, poor Nurse Chapel. There's a there's a bit where, as you say, she delivers food to him. It's it's a nice moment. Like you get that nice. Um, she doesn't get a lot of screen time, and it's nice. She, you know, she she seems to make the most of of what she has. Like mm-hmm. she's bringing him food, but it's kind of a medical thing. It's kind of like I wanted to see how you are. I wanted to make sure you're eating. Like it, I, it was a nice little scene. Unfortunately, she almost got soup thrown at her again. <laughs> Which I guess is going to be like a recurring thing with her. It was literally that was literally the best moment in the entire show. What where she uh, where she goes what back to sick bay and uh, yeah, she's talking to where bones she... and she's like, uh, oh, I, I said this was your medical orders. It's just some some file I picked up. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. But yeah, really, it it seems like she keeps getting soup like thrown at her all the time. I, I, like, I'm worried that that's going to be her shtick now. <laughs> but then again, that's I guess I guess that's better than claiming everything's from Russia. So that's well, yeah. <laughs> I just picture wandering back into into sick bay covered in soup. Another successful round, eh, nurse? Happened yeah, again, eh, Christine? Shut up. In the series Bible, there's there's pages and pages for Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. But for Chekhov, there's thinks everything's from Russia, and then Nurse Chapel. Gets soup thrown at her. Yeah, it's not even that. It just it's one word: soup. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, fortunately, it, it is Major Barrett, so she'll she'll she's going to turn out okay. Uh, Chekhov, not so much. <laughs> so, anything else about this one? Or are we ready to push on? No, I'm, yeah, I think that's everything. Yeah. All right. So uh, the next one is yours, Kev. Oh yes. Trying to bite my lip. <clears throat> So Scotty, Kirk, and McCoy are visiting the famous Gypsy Planet to help Scotty relax. It seems Scotty had a head injury, which is the inadvertent result of a woman, and this may make him hate all women. (laughs) Scientifically based in fact, of course. Anyway, Kirk uses his mutant power to set up Scotty, an exotic dancer. Scotty takes her on a walk through foggy night. This can't possibly go wrong. Oh, she's been stabbed. (laughs) Everyone thinks Scotty did it, especially a bureaucrat with a high-pitched voice named Mr. Hengist. Can't, can't imagine why. So naturally, Kirk beams, beams another woman down and leaves her alone with him. Oops, he's dead too. But can't stop now. It's seance time. And it seems there's someone evil in the room. There is. Move over science and bring on mystic mumbo-jumbo. Anyway, she dies as well. We then end up going up to the ship for the CSI Enterprise, and Scotty is innocent. Batman and Robin, I mean Kirk and Spock, work out Jack the Ripper is guilty. This makes the bureau reveal himself and start swapping bodies as often as nurse swap bubblegum cars. Before he's beamed into space over a wide area where he's no tr- Oh, sorry. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> There's, I don't know what, uh, what happened, but Matt and I watching this episode last night. We saw this dude. This, he's, he's on our cover art, the, the, the bald guy. Um, <laughs> He's, he's Mr. actually the, is that Mr. Hengist? Mr. Hengist. <laughs> Mr. Hengist. <laughs> he's uh, it, it, we looked him up, and it turns out he's the uh, cartoon voice of Piglet from Winnie the Pooh, <laughs> which is why he kind of sounded familiar to us. But uh, 
We just could not stop laughing at this guy. And as soon as he opens his mouth and says, I'm Mr. Hanks, it's like, yes, of course you are. <laughs> See my summary? It didn't even say Mr. Hengist. I just threw that in to make laugh. laugh. It's very, very difficult for us to, to discuss this without just cracking up for ten minutes. Pleasure to meet you, Captain Kirk. I'm Mr. Hengist. <laughs> of course you are. Oh, God. The very idea of you. <laughs> it, it, and it also doesn't help that, that the plot of this is just profoundly stupid. Like... If if it were a good episode with a silly character, we probably could have pushed on, but we were so distracted because we didn't want to be watching what was actually happening. Yeah, the ridiculousness of it really made us focus on the Hengist factor. <laughs> you could just imagine Kirk, I'm Mr. Hengist, and you could just imagine Kirk saying, you sicken me. <laughs> you know, I like Jack the Ripper stories, but Jack the Ripper on Star Trek doesn't really belong. Yeah, Not Jack Ripper in space, yeah. 400 years in the future, it doesn't really belong. No. Although, yeah. although we were reading, apparently there's a next-gen book that had Data as Sherlock Holmes facing this uh, this Red Jack again. And that kind of <laughs> makes sense. Like, I like, you know, at least putting it in the Victorian setting. Like, it's a little contrived, but I think it works better than this. Yeah. I, I did like it opened with them all in a harem, basically. Oh, God. You weren't wrong. I, I, I'm, sure, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure. Kirk thought it was his lifelong ambition to be there. <laughs> Must have been your lifelong ambition. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that was and, – and it, and it went on for a while. Like, that, the teaser at the beginning was, like, five minutes long where they're just watching yep. these. And, you know, it's a belly dancer. It's not unpleasant to look at or anything, but it's like, is there a story or is this just Kirk at a strip <laughs> bar for half an hour? Um, this is it. Chad, it's Kirk at a strip bar. Jenner fought hard was, for this episode. <laughs> See, I, I, I don't know the chemistry between him and Bones when they're watching the the dancer. It just it worked for me. Like these guys are old mm -hmm. friends. They're just kind of they're they're dudes hanging out at a at a strip club or whatever. It was, you know, like a belly dancing, whatever you call those places. Yep. It's not exactly they're not exactly strippers. They don't get completely naked, but it's definitely not wholesome either. I don't. Know, I just. I bought it as like two buddies out on the town. It was. It was kind of nice. Mm -hmm. Like let's let's show Scotty a good time kind of thing. I mean, jokes aside, yeah. that was that was a nice little. It actually felt like a, a genuine character thing. It was kind of cool. well. I mean, I know that I certainly when I get a head injury that makes me hate all women. <laughs> I I immediately want to go to a strip club. Oh yeah, that's and and it's important to point out that when Gav said that in his in his uh, summary, that wasn't you. You weren't uh, exaggerating that for for humor. They actually did say his head trauma caused him to hate all women. <laughs> that's from the show. I did like uh, the bit when they were at the beginning and no one claps. Yeah. Uh, they they use like a flashing light. So that just does, does no one on Ardelia have epilepsy? God. <laughs> she just or not, dies. Or not anymore, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it's a kind of natural selection. It's a bit cruel, but uh, it works. What's great about that scene is um, Scotty's banging on the table and they're like, uh, no, Scotty, they don't applaud here. They do, the, they, they flicker the lights. He's like, you know, don't tell an old Aberdeen uh, drinker how, how to applaud. And he bangs on the table. I think someone does need to explain to you how to applaud because <laughs> you do it with your hands, not by banging on a table. <laughs> don't tell me how to do it. It sickens me. <laughs> Even Bajorans know how to applaud more than he does. <laughs> Barely. Barely. Well, true. So to, to summarize, Jack the Ripper is a ghost that moves from planet to planet, killing strippers and prostitutes. We know mm -hmm. this because of information gleaned from a, a Ouija board. Yes, and all unsolved uh, mass murders of women. Of course, all of them were done by this person. Yep. Oh, this will be a, this is a huge victory for the Federation Cold Case Division. <laughs> Half the cases we have instantly solved. That was That's easy, fun, guys. 
this uh this this calls for a celebration on the gypsy planet. Here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the leader was like uh, the law of Ardelia is love. I'm not sure how the appeal court works in that instance, then. Yeah, how do you enforce that exactly? <laughs> you got the speed gun, only it measures love? I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, they can borrow the Enterprise's boner detector. That's oh, kinda... wow, there you go. <laughs> nice callback. Um, but as as they're going through the, uh, the history of the unsolved cases, and they're looking for a pattern, a lot of the patterns are like one unsolved murder. That's not a pattern. That's just one unsolved, you know, like, yeah, one woman killed. Then moving on, two women killed. That does, you know, ah, ah, three don't... women. Killed. <laughs> but don't you need at least three for it to be a pattern? I mean, doesn't it? It just kind of nope. doesn't really that's work what, attributing that's every what I murder from all serial killer movies. Yeah, I, I, you nope. need several. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and the bit where uh, Kirk's talking to Spock, you know, beam down another person that we need to kill. Um, he, he beams. He tells him the coordinates, you know, via um, via interlink or whatever. And and Spock takes out a, one of those those blocks and puts in another one. What was the block that that Spock took out? What was he What was he watching at the time that he didn't want anyone to know about? Vulcan boy fights. <laughs> I I also liked at one point they're they're going through the evidence they're doing a courtroom thing which they seem to do every other week. I didn't realize mm. the original series was so replete with uh, with courtroom scenes. Jesus. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> and it's fine. Star Trek usually does courtroom pretty well. But uh, at one point they referred to the weapon as the murder knife, <clears throat> like all one word. <laughs> well, you were found with the murder knife. <laughs> that just hit me. Like it it feels like you know. To, to steal a, a tired joke, it feels like a, the name of a, a bad heavy metal band. <laughs> I saw Murder Knife in 86. They were kicked ass. I, and I love they show uh, – they don't actually have the Murder Knife in the courtroom. They have like – they have a picture of it on video held by someone's <laughs> two hands. And it looks like he's trying to – it's one of those late-night knife selling. This, fi- this quality yeah, it Murder like Knife. it like a QVC loop with like a, with like a hand model <laughs> displaying it. It'd be yours for only three payments of twenty nine ninety five. Oh, we don't have money. <laughs> Send me the knife, sucker. It's finely crafted handle, perfect for murdering. <laughs> There's also when the when the belly dancer comes over to their table at the beginning. I was just thinking, like, okay, in a normal strip club, you 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 know, give them a, a little tip. You'd put you know, stuff a dollar down or whatever. What what exactly does do they do in the Federation for strippers? Like, how do you? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you Flash can... more lights? Yeah. <laughs> Scotty bangs on the table a little. Oh, big tipper. <laughs> I, I will That's say... With him. I will say uh, James Doohan actually played the, the sort of confused terror mm-hmm. of uh, being accused of murder and not knowing what the hell was going on. He actually played that pretty well. It's it's kind of sad that this is kind of the only Scotty-centric story we get until yeah. uh, until next gen. But, yeah. Uh, but at least, you know, I mean, he, he showed some, some decent acting, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yes, and uh, what, what was Scotty's problem? Whenever people were dying, and he just decided to run over to all the people that were dying, so that he, so that he looked like he was the one that was killing them. Well, yeah. Well, I, well, I heard her being stopped, so I ran over to her and picked up the knife. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> a natural thing to do, right? Stupidest person ever. Especially after it happened, you know, six times before. You might, yeah. You might want to stop doing that. Here's here's my thing. Okay. The episode ends with they prove that they prove that Mr. Hengis killed all these people. <laughs> Excuse okay. me. All right. Um, but like, 
like Scotty was possessed and killed three people, right? <laughs> yeah. And at the end of the episode, he's just like, oh, well, I didn't do it, so I feel fine. Let's go back to the planet. I yeah. bet it'll be a jolly good time. Yeah, they you, beam back down like nothing ever happened and yeah, everything's yeah, fine. Three people are dead. Two of them are crew members. Look, and Eve, okay, let's say he doesn't feel guilty. He feels fine, whatever. Like, that's fucked up enough. But when he goes back down there, you think the girls are going to be coming over to your table? The one, you know, Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter if and, you were possessed. You stabbed her still. And, like, what do you <laughs> tell those two those two girls? Oh, listen. Uh, a couple of your crewmen died while we were on the stripper planet. Listen, um, funny story. Jack the Ripper. Here's the thing. Jack the Ripper. <laughs> oh, and we haven't even touched on, uh, at the end, they, they, um, they, they realize that, uh, this Red Jack character, um, uh, feeds on fear. And so mm-hmm. to make them all not afraid. <laughs> from yes. Phones injects them with, the. Uh, with some kind of a drug that makes them all kind of stoned. And in, in kind of a campy way, it was actually fun watching everyone get high and, and just, hey, man, relax. <laughs> like, Sulu does a really good job of chewing. Like, George Takei does a great job of chewing the scenery when he needs to. Mm-hmm. And that was a lot of fun. Oh, my. I am dripping <laughs> balls. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, and I, and I get that Spock didn't need the injection because, hey, he's Spock. But the fact that mm-hmm. Kirk didn't do it, you know, I guess it's supposed to be like, I'm not scared of anything, but it was more kind of a, no, everyone else is having fun. Fuck you. I'm a cock blocker. I'm, you know, yep. <laughs> it was like this side of paradise where everyone was happy. And he's just like, no, no, must not be happy. The human condition is not to be happy. Uh, well, actually, Captain Spock, don't you tell me what humans are like. It's sick. And sick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then there's the bit where um, Spock uh, crashes the Enterprise computer asking it to calculate pi. Yep. Like, really, that's all it takes, huh? You couldn't have asked it to make a cup of tea? <laughs> <laughs> and, and why didn't Kirk crush the computer? Asking well, yes, it some kind is, of ridiculous question. That is his specialty, <laughs> after all. Uh, yeah. I pose it to you, ship's computer. Oh, here we go. Hi. <laughs> I put it to Not you. on that one, Mr. Hengus. <laughs> okay, now, so this ghost thing gets to possess people. I, I don't like that anyway, but fine. Let's Let's just accept that. Then it possesses the computer like it's a living thing. Yep. How? Yes. What? How? Uh, never mind. I think it's something to do with the air ducts. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, it got in. Well, see, Scotty was messing with the air ducts. Oh, you did it again. Again. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else on this one? Or are we ready to? Oh, it, it, oh just... the, the, reason, the reason Red Jack kills women mm. is because women are more susceptible to fear. Oh, right. Of course. <laughs> Thanks, Star Trek. Uh-huh. The other thing I was going to say was uh, Lieutenant Kyle from Star Trek Two was in that episode. Oh, really? Yep, nice. he was the English guy with bad teeth. Oh, I didn't. Was he the one that they killed, and then he wasn't that? No, no, no. That was that was the previous episode, actually. <laughs> no, he was the, he was the transporter guy at the end. Oh, he right, was right, also right. stoned. I would have gotten to it eventually. That guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's the one. <laughs> no, I was reading in the previous episode. Uh, uh, the one obsession. Apparently, they killed off one of the the regular uh, background ensign guys, and then later on, he's just fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I they can that... do that. Sure. Yeah, I, I guess. All right. Have you heard they come in six packs now? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the trouble with tribbles. Ah, uh, yes, the trouble with tribbles. 
<clears throat> okay. So the Enterprise is on a mission to Deep Space Station K7 to assist in a delicate situation regarding disputed and wishy-washy sounding pla- Sherman's Planet, which is incredibly close to a nearby Klingon outpost. According to the Organian Peace Treaty, control of the planet goes to who- whichever side can develop the planet better. Second place gets a very tasteful plaque, and both the Cl- Starfleet and the Klingons want it. Kirk and Spock were preparing for all of this when the Enterprise receives a message that K7 is under attack. Enterprise arrives to discover that actually it is not under attack. It just has grain that needs defending. Meet Nils Barris, a Federation official in charge of the development of Sherman's planet. He has a stick so far up his ass it is poking out of his nose. And he instantly begins demanding Kirk defend his grain from Klingons, which um, aren't actually on the station. Turns out the grain, which years of watching this episode has allowed me to correctly pronounce as Quadro Triticale, without having to look it up, is the only thing that'll grow on Sherman's planet. Kirk's pissed that his time is being wasted, but he, so he beams down a couple of security guards for the grain and lets the rest of the ship go on shore leaves. Thanks! Uhura and Chekhov go to the local bar where they meet Cyrano Jones, traveling merchant, fop, and Harry Mudd stand in. Jones sells Uhura a tribble, a small cooing ball of fur that was cl- clearly assembled in Taiwan by child labor. Around this time, a Klingon battle cruiser arrives at K7, apparently also requesting shore leave. Sphinx! Kirk allows the Klingons aboard the station, but only in numbers of 12 and only under heavy guard. On the Enterprise, Uhura's Tribble has, a, has had baby Tribbles, which she gives out to the various crew members. Uh, Bones also takes one to study, hoping to find its mouth and genitals. <laughs> when Kirk later goes to visit Bones, he discovers McCoy's Tribbles have also given birth. Turns out Tribbles do two, well, do thing, two things well. Eat and have more tribbles. So, you know, uh, good for them, I guess. Down on K7, Cyrano Jones is trying to sell more tribbles, but the Enterprise crew has quickly discovered that they, that more, that they have more than they know what to do with anyway. Uh, one of the Klingons picks a fight with Scotty and Chekhov, and there's a barbarol, uh, where, while Cyrano Jones minces about in the background. <laughs> Around this time, the Enterprise is positively swarming with tribbles, including a lot in the ship's equipment. Kirk reasons that this, they may have gotten into the Quadro Triticale storage areas and goes to check, where he finds himself buried in tribbles in one of the most famous scenes in Star Trek history. A uh, quick check of the tribbles reveals that they've been poisoned by grain, so Kirk has been buried in a pile of tribble corpses, which... No one seems too <laughs> concerned about. A quick check reveals that uh, Barris's assistant Darwin, Arvin Darwin, is, disgu- is a disguised Klingon who is arrested. And Scotty solves a triple problem by beaming the whole lot of them over to the Klingon ship, where they will be brutally exterminated. Uh, folks, remember to have your triple spayed or neutered. <laughs> <laughs> this is another one of those where it's a, it's a classic episode and it completely deserves its classic status. Yeah, it is it, possibly the only time the show did funny really, really well, at least until like uh, Star Trek four, I think. Yeah, like the concept, if you poke at it, really doesn't sound like a good idea. Oh, yeah, they get the Klingons show up and the place gets infested with uh, adorable little fur balls. It sounds stupid. It, it sounds dumb in the wrong hands, but uh, the, the guy who wrote this, David Gerald, did a really good job of just uh, the comedy and, and credit where it's due. Shatner actually is decent at selling the comedy like. Especially his utter contempt for the for the bureaucrat that runs K seven. He just mm-hmm. he every time he's like he's trying to follow his orders, but he still tries to stick it to this guy as much as he can. He just yep. can't stand him. I, oh. I, I kind of like that. Yeah. yeah, he might do uh, might not do obsession well, but he, but his comedy he can do comedy. Yeah, absolutely. That that's the thing. And, this week uh, we saw that we saw kind of the contrast between what he's good at and what he isn't good at. And and I just want to say, Arvin Darvin and Mister Hengus should be in a show. <laughs> Darvin and Hengus. Attorney at law. God. <laughs> I'm playing in Vegas, Darvin and Hengus. 
uh, the spectacular Darwin and his lovely assistant Angus. <laughs> it's actually Arn Darwin. I mean, it's, it sounds funnier the way you said it, but uh, I just wanted to point out that that the actual <laughs> real name is just as ridiculous as the one as the one you were saying. It sounds like a Jerry Lewis sketch. Arvin Darwin. Blavin Glarvin. Of course, this is one all three of us adored the uh, the Deep Space Nine episode that they did that uh, where they go back in time and they kind of interact with this episode. Oh yeah. Um. I was really impressed with the restored effects when they did the DS9 episode in 96 or whenever it was, mm. where you actually got to see the Enterprise in 3D. You got to see, like, shots from behind it. All the stuff we go on and on about in the Blu-rays were, yeah. were the first time were done there. And mm-hmm. I, I figured they would just kind of phone it in with this with the restored version of this and just use those shots again. But they didn't. They did new shots and that are even better. And I could swear, mm. if you look at K7 really close, you could see people walking around in the windows. It was It was just that cool. Yeah, the only thing that would have made it cooler is if the, if they had uh, put, you know, Cisco and Dax and them walking around in, in <laughs> the scenes that they had appeared in in the that DS9 been fun, episode. But you know there's a certain brand of, of fanboy that just would have gone nuts over that. Yeah, well, you know what? They can watch the regular episode. Those are included on the DVD for a reason. Well, that's a good point. Fucking stick yeah, them in there. Yeah, they be should, awesome. They should have done that because I kept, where are these? Where's, where's Dax? Where's O'Brien? Yeah, he's going to yell yeah. at O'Brien in a minute. Hey, who's that guy? That's not O'Brien. Yeah. Now that, and of course, we'll get to that episode in several years. But, um, <laughs> but you know, there's there's a reason that the guys who did DS9, um, Ron Moore in particular, who was a huge fan of the original series, picked this mm-hmm. episode because it is very, you know, like when you ma- when you name when you say to the average person who doesn't really pay attention to Star Trek, name a Star Trek episode, they could they probably say the Trouble with Tribbles. Like that's yeah. the one that everyone knows, and and there's a reason. It's a great episode, and. Uh, and them coming back to it was a lot of fun. But but yeah. what, what you kind of forget in all that is that the original episode was actually quite good on its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it stood up incredibly well. Yeah. Because I, I was watching the other day and just it is actually still very funny. It is. And it's not forced funny. It's it's legitimately no. funny. And uh, and yeah, like Matt said, it's 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 a weird concept that I, I mean, I kind of like it as a as a as a basic sci fi thing as, you know. Mm. Like as these these cute little aliens that you think are harmless, but actually are these sort of you know ecological menaces, and um, yeah, there's a, there's a tiny bit of social commentary there, but it's not like that ham-fisted Roddenberry, you know, oh my god, we have to fix the environment stuff. It was it was subtle, yeah. but I I don't mm-hmm. know, I enjoyed it. Um, I just point out how much I love Cerno Jones. <laughs> I, I wish it had been Harry Mudd. That would have made it. I, I a do too, bit better, but, but you know. It, they made him unique, like, well, not unique. They made him different enough from Harry Mudd that I enjoyed him. Just, oh, my dear Captain Kirk. <laughs> friend Kirk. Friend Kirk. That's where that's from, by yes. the way. Captain Kirk. Friend, friend Kirk. Finally, we have, oh, and of course the. Uh... Before they went into warp, I transported the whole kit and caboodle into the air engine room, where there'll be no trouble at all. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Which are now, I'm, you know. Now I've never noticed that line before. Really? Are you? Are no. You... <laughs> Are you, as you would say, taking know. the piss? Or are you actually... No, no, I'm serious. I've never noticed that with line before, and then I watched it. And like, oh, right. See, that, I guess I guess that's that could be like Dewan's kind of shaky Scottish accent. I could see maybe missing that. That, may, that makes sense. But yeah, it's, it's just an awful, awful pun. But uh... <laughs> And what was the deal with the bold Klingon? You know, I, the Klingons in this episode... Like, um, what's his name in... Um, uh, fuck. What was that episode with the first Klingons? Uh, Errand of Mercy, Core. Yeah. He was great. And then we yeah. had that guy in Friday's Child who was just that sort of dumpy, bald, like, awful guy. <laughs> the saddest Klingon. Yeah, I liked the Klingons either. Kothos uh, was great. Uh, it's actually yep. the dude who played Trelane, which uh, 
Oscar yes. Gav was here for, you know, uh, last season. But um, yeah, he was great as this sort of smug. He was asshole Klingon, and you immediately recognize him. But it's also like he's a good enough actor that it made me forget that he was Trelane. He wasn't just playing yeah. Trelane. Uh, and I liked his henchman, you know, the guy who said the Enterprise should be hauled away as <laughs> garbage. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't catch the bald guy. Which one? Which one do you mean? Was there was, there was a. I just noticed there was a bald. I don't think he spoke or anything, but he sat, he sat behind one of the Klingons in one of the scenes, and he was bald. And I thought, I've never, don't think I've ever seen a bald Klingon before. Well, General Chang. Yeah, but that's just because uh, what's his name didn't want makeup. Well, yes, but uh, yeah, you're you're right for the most part. Um, was he the guy who, um, when Chekhov was punching, just kept punching and nothing happened? Probably. <laughs> like there was that dumb, you know. Like for the most part, the comedy was great, but there were a couple of things that kind of fell flat. Usually, when Chekhov was involved, yeah, well, <laughs> he just his... like punch, 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 and nothing happened, and then the guy decked him. Eh, well, listen, that happens whenever Chekhov punches anything. <laughs> this is a good point. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I get that they have no budget back then, and the Klingons just kind of have to be evil-looking guys in uniforms. I can live with that. But it does stretch the whole Klingon disguised as a human thing a little thin. Like, Darvin looked like a guy, but he could have been a Klingon. We don't know. Like, we we accept that they're Klingons when they tell us they're Klingons, because we can't really tell. Yeah, all they did was shave his mustache and put him in a different, uh... Yeah, he wasn't really different, surgically in different clothes. Yeah. <laughs> put him in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> Just take off the silver and black and put this on and uh, you'll be fine. It was they a makeover. him by a touch, but you know. <laughs> it was a makeover show on Kling, on, on Kling or whatever they call it in this original series. <laughs> oh, right. And the language they speak, Klingon-y. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sterno Jones, though, you're right. I mean, he's he's he is a Harry Mudd character. He's a little bit different. I don't I don't know why they couldn't get mud. I don't know if they tried. Like I don't know what the what the story is. I imagine I just picture the showrunner going get mud, <laughs> and I'll we'll call the episode that. Yeah, no, I I but uh, story wise, I figure he's still back on the android planet, being whacked in the head by fifty rolling pins by by his horrible wives. Yep, <laughs> and that's why he couldn't make it this week. <laughs> uh, the the writer of this episode, David Gerald, wrote an awesome sci fi book called The Man Who Folded Himself. It's mm. a uh, time travel book. I highly, highly recommend that. Um, he's one of those guys who's mostly famous for this, for doing Star Trek, and he kind of resented it for a long time. But I guess he's come to his, his, you know, come to terms with it like the same way Nimoy did when he wrote I Am Spock, and then he cashed yep. a big fat check. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, yes. yeah, I could write the making of The Trouble with Tribble. So, yes, I love Star Trek. It's my favorite. <laughs> but no, I really I did like, I was just going to say, I did like another bit where uh, Scotty was reading a technical journal. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kirk comes in and says, uh, "Don't you ever relax?" Doesn't doesn't Kirk even remember the last episode? <laughs> <laughs> that is a good point. This is uh, Matt and I have been noticing up until now. Scotty really hasn't been the engineer that he was painted as, like in the movies and in, in yeah. Next Gen. Like he was just kind of the guy who took over when Kirk left. This was really the first episode where they drove home the fact that he likes reading the journals and he mm -hmm. he takes offense when someone badmouths the Enterprise, like. This is really the first time that vision of Scotty is kind of presented, and uh, it's cool. good because I prefer that. I prefer the the, the hardworking engineer to just third in command. Like that's boring. He called the Enterprise a garbage scowl. I think he said garbage. Garbage scowl. <laughs> way too many accents dueling now. <laughs> that's a good <laughs> Angus Darvin and garbage. <laughs> the new show at Las Vegas. <laughs> or on the Gypsy Planet. <laughs> uh, there, there was actually some uh, 
really good acting from Nichelle Nichols, I thought. Um, mm-hmm. She so easily could have been the dopey girl who was just impressed with the cute little tribbles, but somehow she pulled off, like, being, you know, thinking they were cute, and she still had some dignity. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. She only had about five minutes, but she really sold that five minutes, and it was just another reminder that she was a wasted resource, that she, if they had actually yeah. given her something to do, she would have done it well. I just, she was one of those characters when I was growing up watching the show that I didn't find that remarkable, but coming back to it, I really like her as a character. I just wish she could do something occasionally, you know? Well, it's like her and, and the same with Sulu, where it's like, yeah. he doesn't talk much, but when he does, it's like, I want to get to know that guy better. There's something cool under the surface, and they're never going to show us, are they? No, they're just going to keep shoving Chekhov down our throats. Uh. You know what else was built in Russia was uh. Uh, everything ever. Now, you know, I know it's the comedy episode, and it's fine that they ratcheted up the he thinks everything's Russian jokes, but uh, too much. Mm-hmm. What, what were the, like, I think it, it was about five times in that episode, yeah. wasn't it? Oh, God. It was... <laughs> I'm guessing David Gerald, like, started writing this when season two just started, and he didn't know who Chekhov was. And mm-hmm. so he's looking in the, the Bible, and he saw what, what Gav <laughs> mentioned. He's like, okay, well, that's all I got. Uh... Russian, fine. Russian, Russian. Russian. <laughs> it's like... Uh, if you were in a word processor, you'd just be pasting that in every tenth page. Okay, there's my checkoff <laughs> lines. That's done. So now I'll just go fill in the story around that. And uh, <laughs> I did like, uh, I did like, like his. It was just a little joke, Mister Spock. Yes, very little. Oh yeah. I like, <laughs> I like when Spock kind of uh, Spock blocks someone's uh, terrible jokes. <laughs> it's like, I'm sure that must have been very amusing for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perhaps you know, you'd like me to turn the lights on and off for you for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought uh, beaming the tribbles to the Klingon ship at the end was an awesome punchline. Mm-hmm. But if you really stop and think it out, which it's a comedy episode and I don't want to get too much into it. But really, it's just awful. It's like mm-hmm. biological warfare. They're going to eat all the Klingons' food, possibly suck up all their air, and kill them. Yep. Uh, and for another thing, the Tribbles will almost certainly be slaughtered by the Klingons en masse. <laughs> that's, just, yep. that's immediately what I thought. So not only are they going to die, but Kirk's, Kirk's in the process, antagonized his enemies on purpose in the process. Which, I guess, is a very Kirk thing to do. But... Yeah, that certainly <laughs> sounds like him. It just, it's yeah. not, like, that's the worst possible, like, it's funny. And I bought, you know, as, as a punchline, it's great. But overall, it's just awful. And then in 20 years, you become obsessed with them again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that that's yeah, that'll happen. Or or you know, they'll come back for revenge and be like, "What you? I forgot all about you. <laughs> you forget about everybody." Now, there's a nice little thread they pick up on in DS9 where uh, uh, Worf goes on and on about the the ecological scourge, and Dax just makes so fun they, of him. And oh yeah, the Great Tribble still War. Still sing songs of the Great Tribble Wars. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, really, realistically, if these things existed, they would be a scourge. Like they would they would eat all the food. They would mm. offer nothing in return. I mean, you know. If you think of it in terms of a sci-fi show for a second, that that would be awful. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's still funny. Nah, just <laughs> yes. this garbage. <laughs> <laughs> oh Christ! So, uh, anything else about this one? I mean, this is one of those, like we say, it's it, every part of it is great, and we could go on and on about it. But uh... oh, I, I was reading uh, the part when uh, Kirk's buried up to his nipples and tribbles. Mm. Uh, that was like <laughs> the eighth shot time they'd shot that. Oh, jeez. So he was already, like, the reason he looks so exasperated is because Because he's fucking sick of it. (laughs) Well, I think, (laughs) actually, it was, I think, Gav, when he was on either uh, the show or Circus Voyage before when we talked about Star Trek, Mm. where he said a lot of directors figured out that you just need to make Shatner do take after take after take and get all Mm -hmm. that crap out of his system, and then you'll get a good one. Yeah, uh... 
Nicholas Mayer said that. Maybe the, <laughs> maybe the director of Tribbles figured that out too, and that's why they did that. <laughs> yeah, the other thing is that you have the uh, the Tribbles falling down on him afterwards, like right. And DS Nine says that it's uh, Cisco and Dax chucking him out the airlock, or the the door as they're searching him. What actually happened was that the the crew couldn't see down there, so they were just trying to dump more and more Tribbles into the thing to keep it full. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it looked it just obviously they're being tossed. Yeah, that's and a then nice he just sort of go back and and sort of correct that and like no 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 they're not being they are being thrown that's why yeah and when he turns around like that he's literally like thinking would they knock it off <laughs> <laughs> nice mm-hmm. no it was I mean it's what's nice is we watch Kirk being this this sort of douchebag marching around doing whatever he wants and when you actually take a guy like that and put him in a situation where he just you know he can't control what's going on it's it's funny I mean that's basic comedy there and it works mm-hmm. it's like I can't control this situation I. Uh, I'm surrounded by these goddamn things, and I don't know what to do. It's fantastic. All right, anything else? Or we, uh... I think that's about it. That's everything for me. All right, so uh, for for my episode for uh, Obsession, uh, in, the uh, future, in the future, people will have forgotten the basic properties of fog and will remain convinced that you can just punch it or shoot at it. <laughs> uh, Wolf in the Fold, Kev? Uh, in, the future, in the future, we won't future. be able to tell if a door lock has been picked, even with a tricorder. Nice. Uh, trouble with Tribbles, Matt? Uh, in the future, uh, in the future Tribbles, Tribbles will be extremely troublesome. <laughs> you that one in this week, Arch. <laughs> you wrote that before we watched the episode, didn't you? Maybe. Shut up. <laughs> All right. My my quote is, uh, whenever when all else fails, I always go with uh, with Bones insulting Spock, but here there's a there's a nice little uh, nice little one two punch with Scotty. Thank you. Mr. Scott, there was no deity involved. It was my cross circuiting to be that recovered them. Well then, thank pitchforks and pointed ears. So yeah. Uh Gav, you got one for Wolf in the Fold? Yes, my my quote shows Mr. Hengis fantastic acting. And it goes a little something like this. We're supposed to be intimidated by that. <laughs> He's threatening the crew. Ooh, here I come, I'm Mr. Hengis. <laughs> Spock, my god, watch out for Mr. Hengis! <laughs> <laughs> I'm threatening. I've killed so many people. Don't make me kill again. <laughs> All right, Mr. Matt, Mr. I... Hengis was tried in a court of law. <laughs> in a moment, the results of that trial. Matt, this may be the hardest thing that any of us will have to do. I'm, I'm not entirely kidding here. Pick a single quote. From the trouble with Tribbles. Oh, God. This was a tough one. There are a ton of great lines yes, in this. But uh, I went with uh, Korax the Klingon uh, hassling Scotty and Chekhov in the bar. I just love that pronunciation of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, frankly, I never liked Earthers. They remind me of regular blood works. <laughs> Easy, lad. You want to be more forgiving? No. I just remember. 
There is one Earthman who doesn't remind me of a regular bloodworm. That's Kirk. A regular bloodworm. Soft and shapeless. But Kirk isn't soft. <laughs> Kirk may be a swaggering, overbearing, tin-plated dictator with delusions of godhood. But he's not soft. Easy, lad. Everybody's entitled to an opinion. That's right. And if I think that Kirk is a Denebian slime devil, well, that's my opinion, too. Don't do it, mister, and that's an order. But you heard what he called the captain. Forget it. It's not worth fighting for. We're big enough to take a few insults. Now, drink your drink. Of course, I'd say that Captain Kirk deserves his ship. We like the Enterprise. We, we really do. <laughs> that sagging old rust buckets is designed like a garbage scow. Half the quadrant knows it. That's why they're learning to speak Klingonese. <laughs> Mr. Scott. Laddie, don't you think you should rephrase that? You're right. I should. I didn't mean to say that the Enterprise should be hauling garbage. I meant to say that it should be hauled away as garbage. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that, uh, that about covers it for this week. Gav, always a mm -hmm. pleasure. Um, yep. We'll have you back again next much. season, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. You've already you've already called the uh, particularly ridiculous one in season three. So uh, yes, I think I called that several years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, one day you're going to start a podcast. Ooh, all right. <laughs> Someday, and that day may never come. But you will start a podcast. <laughs> uh, just a quick update on yeah, quick update on the t-shirts. Uh, we have uh, ordered them now. They are no longer for sale, unfortunately. It was mm -hmm. sort of a time-sensitive thing. So those of you who missed it, I do apologize. However, I've been yammering about them for weeks, so you have only yourself to blame. Mm -hmm. uh, those of you who did order them, um, they should be in within the next few weeks. Uh, those of you meeting us at the Emerald City Con, I should be able to hand them directly to you. Um, and the rest of you, I shall mail them out. So Yay. I'm really looking, Yeah, the, the, the whole <laughs> point of, uh, of getting this order in quickly is I want a shirt because that logo is so great. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, I want to wear it. So... Uh, yeah, those are coming soon. Um, so that's all from us, and we'll be back next week. Good night, Mr. Hengis, wherever you are. <laughs> Laters. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is published weekly and is available via iTunes or on the web at postatomichorror.com. This program is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, and all original material contained herein is their intellectual property unless otherwise noted. All clips and references from Star Trek and related media are used without permission from CBS, Viacom, and or Paramount Pictures. Fair use is assumed for the purposes of review and parody, and the aforementioned co-producers do not receive any form of profit for this effort. Listener feedback can be sent to podcast at postatomichorror.com. An on-air response is guaranteed.